I was, I was convicted this morning as Joel and Anna sang. A few weeks ago, my children came to me and asked me what I wanted for Christmas. Isn't that a nice thing? How do you answer that question, you know, when a six-year-old and, a, and an eight-year-old come and say, what do you want for Christmas? Well, they happen to have caught me at just the wrong time, or maybe the right time, hindsight, um, for I had just read an article on the situation in Israel. And it's not a pleasant situation over there, is it? And so when they asked me what I wanted from Chris, for Christmas, I looked up from this article I was reading, and I said, peace on earth. And they all said, oh, dad. You know, they knew I was asking for something they couldn't provide. Well, why now do I have to dress this? And kids, I get, listen up. I, I was wrong in my attitude. Any of you know why I was wrong in my attitude? As they sang, I realized, you know, eyes of faith will believe that Jesus truly has already come and that it is as sure as the fact that he came that peace on earth will come. And so, I shouldn't be saying, oh, peace on earth in some flippant, unbelieving way. Really, I need to be giving thanks that there will be peace on earth. And it is absolutely as sure as the fact that there is not peace on earth right now in this world. And so I encourage you with that. Oh, that Emmanuel came and the phrase that was pricking my consciences and now all is well. You know, all can be well in our hearts and in our minds, when we see all of the problems through the eyes of faith, believing all the promises of God. Indeed, all is well. And we can give thanks for the guaranteed promise, all the promises made, when those angels declared there to the shepherd, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It is surely true. And it can be true in our hearts, as we know for sure that it will be true literally, and sometimes we say judicially and de facto in the world yet to come. And so we trust God in that. You know, we've all heard the scriptures, or if you've been around here very often, the scriptures that we are to be giving thanks for all things. Giving thanks for all things. Hmm. What's that mean? What does that mean? I appreciated Brother Dietrich this morning sharing that it's a way of living. It's a, it's a perspective of life. And he's absolutely right. Really, every breath that we breathe needs to be a breath of thanksgiving. Everything that we see should be processed through the lenses of thanksgiving. Everything that we hear should be heard with the praise of thanksgiving. Everything that we do or say should be with a tone and a heart of thanksgiving. But you know, we're still living in a troubled world with troubled problems. And oftentimes, it's hard for us to give thanks. 
I don't know about you, so I'll just speak for myself. It's hard for me sometimes to give thanks. And so what do I do in those moments? You know, sometimes I've been guilty, and perhaps you have too, where I hmm, say, well, I'm supposed to give thanks, so I force the words out of my lips. Thank you, God, for... Ah. And I might have said the words, but the... Ah was there in the heart and sometimes in the tone. So how can I go beyond just saying the words, thank you for this problem? Well, I need a reset in my perspective. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, we're given this command, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a little hint in that verse. You notice it has to do with the person. We give thanks unto God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something I've been trying to do is that when I have that, eh, that I know I need to give thanks for, then I need to reset my focus, my gaze, upon the Lord Jesus Christ upon the Father of all glory, the one who gives good gifts to his children. And you know when I do that, the eh seems to be resolved a bit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, concerning me, for me and us to give thanks. Notice again now, this is the will of God, and it's in Christ Jesus. In Colossians 3.17, it says this, Whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Do you see that in all of this, there is a key person? His name is Jesus. And so when I'm having trouble giving thanks for, uh, I need to look to Jesus and consider who he is and the reality that he is the hope of glory that lives inside of me. And when I do that, do you know whose thankful heart begins to overflow in my heart? Jesus. Jesus himself then will bring forth this thanksgiving in my heart. This morning, I have a handout. I have a handout here of different things we can thank God for because sometimes when we get into those moments of the eh, how do we renew our minds? How do we reset our way of thinking into the spiritual world to recognize who Jesus is so that we can actually give thanks? So this morning, the handout, the men that are going to pass out, we're going to go through it this morning, and we're going to look at how we can in those ants, renew our minds. And we're going to begin with how we can have some things that we can thank God for. I'll just give you an overview of what we're going to look at. We're going to look at how great of a privilege it is and how important it is for us to be thanking God for who He is. Thanking God for who He is. Thanking God for His goodness for his mercy, his love, his loving kindness, his truth, 
and his faithfulness. Oh, we can renew our minds by thanking God for his unspeakable gift, the gift of salvation. We can be thanking God for victory and deliverance from sin. We can be thanking God that we are no longer servants of sin, but now servants of righteousness. And we need to be thanking God for his wonderful works. All of the wonderful things he's doing in our life. You see, if we begin with the problem, our heart may not be in the right place. So let's begin by looking to the one who solves all problems. And as we look to him, then I believe, as I've experienced it, and you think if you look through scriptures, you'll find it, we can then experience a true gratitude. Not the gratitude that is lip service, but a gratitude that begins in the heart. That is by knowing God. So as we give thanks for everything, let us begin by thanking God for who he is. And you know what? If we're going to really do this, it's going to take longer than this sermon. I joke sometimes about a whole series of sermons. Just a little hint for us to truly do this, it's going to take every second of every year for all eternity. Because God is infinite. And that's how great and wonderful he is. We could never pour out to him thanksgiving enough to truly capture who he is. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 13, the people there that day declared, Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and we praise thy glorious name. Now, why is that scripture tied to thanking God for who he is? It has to do with that key word, name. You see, a name is an identifier. It tells people who you are. I saw a little video sent out of one of my nieces declaring who she was, and she introduced herself by giving her first name and then her second name, and then it was her third name, and it was as if she was introducing all separate people as she was introducing herself. It wasn't like they were all in a row. It was as if she was introducing, this is my name, and she gives it, and like those, and then this is my name, gives her middle name, and then gives her surname. And it was, it was just, it was, it was really cute. Imagine God, though. He's introduced himself that way from the very beginning. From the very beginning as the creator. And all throughout the scriptures, we find God giving to us names of himself. And truly, we could spend a long time looking through and studying some of those names. Many of you are familiar with the scripture songbook in the pews there. And if you turn to the Psalm 23, Names of God, that song, and at the end of that song is a list of names, Hebrew names, that God identified by himself by. In the moments that we have those, eh, you realize that in every one of those, in this specific way, God has revealed himself to us in a way that we can praise him, that will cause us to see him glorified and our troubles and problems grow strangely, strangely dim. 
Jehovah Jireh is just an example. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, it means that the Lord will provide or that the Lord sees, literally that the Lord sees. Therefore, we can assume when he sees, he will do something about it. In the midst of need, we can know and we can praise the glorious name of Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees. We can glory and give thanks to God for who he is as we consider all of the ways that he is given himself names for us to know him by. In Psalm 95, verses 2 through 3, it declares, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. That's what we're talking about here today. We come to him with thanksgiving, and we make a joyful noise unto him with psalms, songs. Why? Because for the Lord, that is Jehovah, is a great God. We give thanks to him because he's a great God. And he is a great king over all gods. Every god that we make up or we imagine or others have imagined throughout all ages, oh, God's king and dominion over them all. You know what that tells me? So often, what causes us to have... Sometimes they're our external source that we have no control over, but sometimes they're these little idols we've set up in our hearts. And the victory of them comes over when we see them as the idols, as we lift God up as the king over all the gods we make up. Do you see it? Give thanks for God, for who he is. Throughout history, people gather together to praise the Lord. Psalm 122 speaks of the tribes of Israel doing this. In Psalm 140, verse 13, it declares, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Are you this morning righteous? Remember last week we learned that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Nothing classy about wearing this suit coat anymore, huh? This is our righteousness. <laughs> it's nothing to give praise for. But when we've received the righteousness of Christ, we are declared righteous, and we need to give thanks to God's name. One of the most precious names that's tied in with this is the name Jesus. It literally means Jehovah saves. Jehovah is the one who saves us. Jesus saves us from our unrighteousness and self-righteousness, and he clothes us with his righteousness. And so as we are giving thanks in everything, let's begin by thanking God for who he is who he is. And then as we consider who he is, we consider things he has demonstrated to us, which leads us to our next point here. We need to be thanking God for his goodness, mercy, love, loving kindness, and truth and faithfulness. I put these all together because if you look at the references here, Oh my, these are all blurred together. They're all mixed together for us to be able to see how God's goodness is tied in with his mercy, is tied in with his loving kindness, and is tied in with his faithfulness. They're all intertwined together. 
um, on my sheet, I took a little highlighter and I went through and I highlighted each of the keywords up on the top title. And I went through the verses and highlighted the same colors in those verses. It's amazing to see scattered throughout these different verses, these different concepts of God's goodness, of his mercy, of his loving kindness, and of his faithfulness. Now again, think of the last time you had one of those, and then you remembered, give thanks. Oh, how your mind is renewed. If you remember who God is, then you begin to remember he's good. He's always good. Praise you the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Over 14 times you'll find this refrain in the scriptures calling upon us to realize God's goodness. I wonder why it happens so many times. I know why. I'll speak from personal experience. In that, it's easy to forget God is good. Isn't it? And it's in that moment that as we seek to give thanks for whatever that is, that when we remember that God is good all the time, always and in everything, then really, truly, in faith, we can give thanks for everything. The Lord is good. I like to just read these scriptures together, just to read them together. Would you, would you join me in reading them together? Um, you'll notice one of them here, I have some brackets in it, and that's to kind of combine some different verses because they all have the same refrain, but to bring all the essence of all those verses together and to consolidate the truths in. But would you join with me in reciting Psalm 104 through 5? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Oh, what a privilege it is to know that he is good, to know his mercy endureth for all generations, for everlasting, and his faithfulness. Would you come, would you read together with me the next verse here? Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 136, 26, would you say it with me together? Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. And then here, Psalm 107, verses 21 and 22. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. And then the last verse there, Psalm 92, 1, would you say it with me? It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. 
Did you see the themes of God's goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness, his truth, and his faithfulness throughout those verses? Oh, these, the reason I wanted to give this as a print to you is perhaps you might carry this in your Bible. And in those times of, eh, when you know you're just saying thanks and doing the motions, perhaps by coming back to the Word of God, which washes us and cleans us, it will help to renew your mind to see things from the right perspective. The mercy of God, what is that? Best definition I've ever heard I learned as a child in Awana. God not giving me the punishment I deserve. I am a sinner. I don't deserve my next breath. I don't deserve the rain to fall on the crops so that I can have food. No, I deserve death. Every one of us do. And so we give thanks for God's mercy in not giving us what we deserve. And counterwise, not only does he not give us what we deserve, he gives us things we don't deserve. That's called loving kindness. That's called true love. You know, as we get up every morning, as that last verse there on the page shows us, we can give thanks. Day unto day. That's what Psalm 92 is here talking about here, is that from day unto day, day unto day, morning and evening, we are continually giving thanks, considering God's loving kindness, His grace, giving us those things that we don't deserve. And then God's truth and faithfulness. Oftentimes, when I think of truth, this is my go-to thought because this is truth and information. But there's another sense that, is a, that we have, can think of this as true. This is true not only in that it is factually correct. This is true in that it is dependable and it is faithful as we live it and apply it in our lives. See, truth also is tied to dependability and to faithfulness. And not only is God's word true, dependable, and faithful, but the one who wrote it is true, dependable, and faithful. And so when he says things about life, we can be sure it's true and faithful. And when he makes promises to us, we can be sure that he is a faithful God and that he will keep his promises. I think it's beautiful that there in Psalm 90, 92, verse 2, it says that we give thanks for God's faithfulness every night. See, the loving kindness is the morning where we're looking to the day ahead of his blessings. And as we lay down our heads at night, we can consider and give thanks for how he kept his loving kindness throughout the day. And we can lay down in peace knowing that tomorrow he's going to faithfully keep his loving kindness. And so again, in all these times, in the... Uh, what do we need? Well, I need a new perspective. And so I thank God for who he is, and I thank God for his goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness, 
his truthful faithfulness. Oh, he is such a one I can depend upon no matter what I face. It renews my perspective. It renews my perspective. And I tell you what sometimes one of the biggest <clears throat> is the little ugly word, three letters. Any ideas? You want to say it with me? Sin. Is sin one of those? <clears throat> yeah, it sure is. It's what causes all the. Uh, it's what causes all the problems. What do we do when we consider our own sin? Well, we need to be thanking God for His unspeakable gift, that is the gift of salvation. That renews our mind as we deal with sin in our lives. You might say, are you supposed to really give thanks for sin? No, you're not. You're actually supposed to give thanks for the one who saves us from our sin. And that's how we can go forward in victory. 2 Corinthians 9.15, I hope you know this verse. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. In the context here, this is the gift of salvation. Look at Colossians 1, verses 12 and 13. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Meditate on that for a while to consider who you are in the eyes of God. When sin has got you in the spiral of guilt, renew your mind and your perspective of life by considering the truths proclaimed here. Giving thanks to your Father. You're not the outcast, condemned sinner. You've, you've been redeemed and adopted into the family of God. He has made you meet, ready, prepared to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You, you, you can now be, because of what God has done in your life by the forgiveness of sins, a partaker of the inheritance. A child of God with all the rights and privileges of all that God is and has. He has further delivered us from the power of darkness. Oh, that should motivate us as we are living in darkness to realize that we're not supposed to be a part of darkness, but we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, and his dear son's kingdom is a kingdom of light. This is the solution in the times when we have guilt for sin. And this is in the, the solution for those times when we are tempted to sin. These truths, as we give thanks to God for his unspeakable gift of salvation, should change our lives. As it continues into the next one, where we need to be thanking God for the victory and deliverance from sin. Here you can see in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, where it declares this, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
There's a lot of conversations about a lot of different things in theology. Where can we settle it? The victory's won. The battles we have with ourselves, the battles that we have with sin, the battles that we have with our mind, the battles that we have with whatever the eh is, whether it be sin itself or the consequences of sin or consequences of the curse of sin, we give thanks to God that He has won the victory. He's won it. The victory is all His, and we give thanks for it as we walk in that victory. 2 Corinthians 2.14 states it again so beautifully. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. What speaks to me in this verse are the words always and every. As we're giving thanks, you realize that there's no reason we have ever any reason to go into defeat. Whether that's emotional, mental defeat of some kind, or the defeat of sin, or the defeat of worry, or whatever the defeat is, we don't need to because God is guaranteed to us through Jesus Christ the victory, the triumph. Do we by faith, and may I say, do we with thanksgiving believe this? This kind of thanksgiving will change our whole way of living. Have you ever had an eh that was a really bad habit? A sinful habit? A habit that you felt you were enslaved to and there was no help, no hope from ever being freed from such a sin or habit of sin? Well, God anticipates this problem in our lives. God knows very clearly and very factually how enslaving sin is. He's been very clear about it. And it's really interesting to me that we know the facts. Well, I hope we know the facts that are presented to us in Romans chapter 6, talking about the fact that we're not servants of sin, that we don't let sin reign in our mortal bodies. And so we're commanded to reckon ourselves indeed dead unto sin. But there's another really interesting aspect to this whole thing. And it has to do with thanksgiving. Look with me at Romans chapter 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which is delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now, this is intriguing to me because the way that sin enslaves us, it seems hopeless, doesn't it? But God be thanked. In those times when we are tempted to continue on in that sinful habit or slavery, let's be honest, that's what it is. When we are tempted to continue on in the slavery, yes, indeed, we reckon ourselves indeed dead to that. But at the same time, do we give thanks 
that we no longer are bound as slaves to that sin? Do we give thanks that we have been, by God, able to now be the servants, or may I say the slaves, to do that which is right, righteousness? There is a thanksgiving. There's also another piece that's in there. You'll notice here that there's an obedience. Do you see that? Starts with thanksgiving, God be thanked. Then a declaration, ye were past tense servants of sin. When you believed on Jesus Christ, you're freed. The chains are broken. You don't have to commit sin anymore. You don't have to be the slave of sin. God be thanked. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. This is doctrine. This truth, this teaching that you are no more slaves to sin but servants to righteousness is something that have we believed it and have we obeyed it? You see, though, I think it's beautiful that it begins with God be thanked. The reality is we don't have to serve slaves to sin. We are rather have become the servants of righteousness. And so do you see how freedom from sinful slavery habits is tied to thanking God for his unspeakable gift and for the teaching, the doctrine, the truth that we're no longer slaves to that. Rather, we are servants to do what is right before God. It's tied to thanksgiving. I don't know who it was, but a preacher or an author somewhere in my life wrote one time that instead of praying for victory over temptation to sin, he suggested that we thank God for the victory over temptation to sin. I've always remembered that, and it's stuck in my mind. Why? What was his point? His point was is that you're guaranteed to triumph. You're guaranteed the victory in Jesus. So how about you approach this temptation, well, let's, let's not say approach, flee from that temptation by giving thanks that you have the victory guaranteed over it, not in your own strength or self-willpower, but in the person of Jesus Christ. Because remember, he's the only one who can bring forth righteousness that is eternal. Now all of this, all of these things can help us as we're dealing with those times when we're trying to give thanks for something that we're not quite sure we're really thankful for as we look and refocus on our God. And then there's another one. There's another way we can thank God for something that I believe will transform our minds. And that is thanking God for his wonderful works. There are two ways I love to do this. There are two ways set forth as an example in the scriptures for us to do this. We give thanks as we declare the wonderful works of God in two ways. How he has worked in other people's lives throughout history. 
and how he has done marvelous works in my life. In my life. How he's worked in others' lives throughout all history and how he's worked in my life. And when I begin in those moments of doubt, those times of not sure I'm really thankful from the heart, and I begin to give thanks over for how I've seen God work in my life in the past, it does something in my mind and in my heart. I believe it did something in the psalmist's mind and heart as he did that for his own life and as he did it considering the miracles of the Exodus. I love the miracles of the Exodus and to see how God so divinely and directly intervened in his life. You know, sometimes we read this biblical history and we're like, why doesn't God do that now? You ever felt that way? I mean, you can be honest, but you don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Why doesn't God, you know, just do that now? Well, he does. And I'll let you in a little hint. Part of the reason why we have such an incredible record here is, is because those were very unique little flashpoints in history when God did that. If you were to actually create a timeline that was actually to scale and put some of these absolutely amazing, divine, spectacular interventions into the course of nature, you, you really would hardly see them blip up if you put it to scale. That's how scattered abroad these things were. So what about all the other times throughout history? Like right now, God is still working. And those blips in history are for us to look back and to see what God is capable of. Sometimes he comes forth in those ways in a dramatic and spectacular way. That's his privilege and right. He did it in the Exodus for a very particular reason, and he did it in the days of Elijah for a very particular reason, and he did it in the days of Jesus and the early church for a particular reason. All for us, really, to learn from them more about who our God is. And so many times when I begin to be frustrated with my experiences and I begin to give thanks to God for how he has worked in the nation of Israel throughout history, do you know how big my problems most of the time get? Really tiny. Really tiny. Especially when I consider how great God is. And it strengthens my faith, my faith to know that he is in control. And so I offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. That concept has had me wondering, why does that mean? I understand praises of thanksgiving, but here this is sacrifices of thanksgiving. This is like, giving something up. I think that's significant, especially as we're recounting to ourselves all of God's glorious works throughout history. And sometimes we're tempted to say, God, you did this for Moses. Do it like you did for Moses for me. The sacrifice of thanksgiving is yielding that up to God. Letting it be a decision he makes. Letting him be the one who will show his marvelous works. 
we declare his works with rejoicing. His goodness is demonstrated throughout all history. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So this morning, let's give thanks. On your sheet, I've left a few lines there. You know why? For you to declare his works with praise. For you to offer up sacrifices of thanksgiving. For you to take some time to meditate and to thank God for who he is. To thank God personally for his goodness, mercy, love, loving kindness, his truth and faithfulness. We take some time to personally thank God for his unspeakable gift of salvation. Thank God for victory and deliverance from sin. Thank God that we are no longer servants of sin, but servants of righteousness. And in all of this, you can start to go forward thanking God for all his wonderful works. This is how our mind is renewed. And then we can continue on and, oh, bye, let's go back to the top of the page of the beginning. Let's give thanks for everything. You see, when we have renewed our mind and changed our perspective to who God is and what he's done and what he's doing and what he's promised and guaranteed to do, oh, now, whatever the uh, is, we can give thanks. And you know, as we really get a perspective of who God is, it won't just be lip service, a lip sacrifice. It will be truly from the heart. So would you take a few moments to just meditate together on these scriptures and to thank God?
our great God and heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, our Savior, Holy Spirit, our Comforter, we come to you today with thanksgiving. Oh, help us to see life from your perspective. Help us to know you for who you are, God, the three in one. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. We give thanks to you for you are great. You are almighty and all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You, by all things, they consist by you. Nothing is done that you do not see. You are sovereign over all. You know us better than we know ourselves. You allow things into our lives to strengthen us, to build us up. You allow tribulations and trials that we might have a greater hope and trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from the temptations of being discouraged. I pray that as we seek to obey you, we would not obey you with lip service or some outward form of religious self-righteousness, but that from the heart, we would hope in you, Lord Jesus. From the heart, we would give thanks for all things. As we abide in you, Lord Jesus, we know that our perspective on life will be radically different. So I pray that we would do just that. We would abide in you and thank you, Lord Jesus, for such a privilege. We know that in our condition with sin, we'd have no hope or privilege of that. And so we thank you for your glorious gift of salvation. Your gift of salvation that makes it possible for us, meet for us to be partakers of the inheritance in Christ Jesus. Oh, with the saints of light, thank you for transforming us from darkness to light. Thank you for calling us from the beginning to be part of the brethren, to be accepted in the beloved, to be adopted as your children. May we walk in this light as your children. Oh, May we see the privileges we have as children of the King of Kings, children of the one who created all things, children of the one who notices every sparrow that falls. Oh, how much more and of great value we are to you. May this cause us never to be fretful, anxious, worrisome, but always trusting, hoping, and thankful. Lord, we do live in the last days and we do live with abundance. Help us not in our material abundance to forget you. You warned your people Israel of this danger that they would come into a land filled with houses already built, wells already dug, vineyards already planted. And that in that prosperity, they would be tempted to forget you. Lord, may we not be so. 
But every day, may we have hearts of gratitude. And may it overflow in grateful praise to you as our God and Heavenly Father and to others. May others see us and see cheerful, grateful people. May it spark their curiosity and may we have boldness when both asked and take opportunity, even when not asked, to proclaim of you, to proclaim the hope we have in you and why we are able to be thankful in spite of trials, in spite of difficulty or pain. Lord, we praise you this day. We give thanks to you. I pray for myself and your people gathered here today. Lord, may we leave today with thanksgiving on our lips that is not lip service, but flows from our hearts. And may the glory, honor, praise be to you. For you alone are worthy of praise, glory, and honor. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.